James chapter 5, verse 16. Our lesson uh, today is titled Con Confess Your Faults. We'll be looking at uh, this idea of confession, uh, not the confession when an alien sinner needs to become a Christian, but rather uh, us as Christians to confess our sins uh, one uh, to another. So we, if you will, turn to James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So notice here he says, Confess your trespasses, confess your faults one to one another. Notice that there's no exception here. There's no Confess your confess these types of faults, or confess your faults to a particular group of people. This is confess any and every fault one to another. Now, notice we'll get into this that there are necessary ways that we have to confess to one another uh, our sins, whether it's private sin, whether it's public sin. Now, this confession made to one another is not. Uh, necessary in every every case, but it is good for us to do these things, and we'll get in later into this lesson as to why these things are very, or why it is good for us to confess our sins one to another. Now, also notice in these verses, he says, "Confess your faults to one another." That that he does not say, not he does not say to God, and we notice that in First John chapter one and verse nine that we have to confess our sins to God. But notice here, we have to make sure that it's not a confession to God only. We ought to confess our sins uh, to each other and not to Him only. And we see that, and we see the necessity, at least, for to confession to God in First John chapter one and verse nine. Now, when we think about confession, we, uh, confession for uh, uh, to our brethren, we have to know that it is necessary for private sin that we need to confess at least to the brother that we have wronged, uh, and it is a necessary part of that repentance process and dealing with that. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, and verses 23 through 24. Matthew chapter 5, and verse 23 through 24. This is, this is the middle of the Sermon of the Mount, in verse 23. It says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now notice here the urgency that Jesus places on this. is If you're bringing something to the altar, you know, if you're doing this very important task and, you, and, you have, and your brother has something against you, look, go be reconciled with him. Do that first before you offer your gift. Now, note, now, what we have to think about is how are we reconciled to a brother? If our brother, if we have to go and 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 be right with our brother, how does it happen? There has to be some type of confession made, some type of acknowledgement of wrongdoing of sin. There has to be a repentance there before you can be reconciled to your brother. You have to confess your wrongdoing before you can be reconciled to him. Also, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. 
It says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now notice there's kind of a, a, of a change in here. It's one, in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, we have the brother sinned against his brother, and he needs to go, and he needs to go uh, make that right. But here it has the brother that the brother speaking context of the brother that has been wrong. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him that. And again, look at the urgency of these things. We have to understand that the sin, that the, the severity of the sin that's taking place, <laughs> severity of these wrongdoings uh, between uh, these brothers. And he says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. And notice. Well, what what is what does he mean when he when he when he hears uh, his brother? Does that mean he just just hears him literally, and that's all he does? No, it means that he's he's heard those things and he acknowledges that there's repentance that takes place. There's confession of those things uh, of, of those sins that had been made between uh, those two brethren, and that that and that acknowledgement or that hearing uh, that repentance cannot take place. You cannot know. That he has repented, unless he he says that he has sinned, unless he says that he has repented of those things. Also, in Luke chapter seventeen, verse three and four. Luke chapter seventeen, verse three and four. Luke chapter seventeen, verse three and four. It says, "Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents." Forgive him, and if he sins against against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, "I repent," you shall forgive him. Now again, if if he if he sins, go rebuke him. What he repents, but you got to know that he repents. How do we know that he repents? He has to confess those things. So notice again these few verses. The necessity, necessity of well, first of all repentance, but we have to know that you repent. And how do you do that? You confess those sins. You say, "I have sinned. I have wronged you. I'm going to try to make those things right. I want to be reconciled to you." And that confession has to take place in in that process. Also, uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 17 through 21. Luke chapter 15. In verse 17 through 21. This is the story of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse 17 uh, through 21. It says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And, when, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer to be called your son. Now notice here, this is not some type of general confession. This is not just saying, I'm, you know, I'm a sinner. I have faults, kind of like what we were talking about earlier this hour, this hour. And we have to understand that there's a difference between just saying, I have faults, or if I've done you wrong, or if I offended you, forgive me, and in confessing your faults. We have to notice that when we talk about confessing your faults, it is the particular sins in which you're guilty of. And for example, if we think about this, if you were at a job, and they were uh, interviewing you, and they ask you, "What are your weaknesses and your strengths?" And you would, and you say, "Well, I have weaknesses," 
or I have strengths. What that's that's ridiculous. And 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 as you you and, and in that context, that's just silly. And we understand that they would want you to cite your particular strengths and your particular weaknesses. And when we talk about this confession of these uh, sins or confessing your faults one to another, just saying I have faults is, well, that's just stating the obvious. But we have to understand that we have to confess those individual particular sins and not just give some type of general confession. We notice the prodigal son here says, I have sinned against you, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against heaven as well. It's not some general confession of saying, well, look, I'm a sinner. Uh, I, I have faults. It is a particular confession here. And so when we look at that, we see those few examples of private sin, or I guess you would say sin between one individual and another. But there's always comes a question about public sin. How do I deal with those public sins? And I think a great example of that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 with the brother who, uh, uh, of the Christian who has his father's wife. And if we got through, we just got through with a uh, series of lessons on, on uh, fellowship, and we know that fellowship is not an inclusive, it is exclusive. It is, it is, it is founded on the gospel, uh, founded on obedience to the gospel, and we know that a sin, unrepentant sin, strains or breaks, not strains, breaks uh, that fellowship between uh, Christians and uh, between the Christian and God. But when we think about that, we see uh, that church commanded to uh, deliver that man to Satan. Break fellowship with this man. And we have to ask ourselves, well, when that guy repents, what does he do? How does the church know, the church, the, the group of Christians that he's with, how does the church know that he's repented of those things? Well, he has to confess to the church. He, he sins, the church breaks fellowship with him, and so he, therefore he has to confess uh, to the church he has to, and they have to know that he has repented before uh, they are uh, that fellowship is restored. Before, after, uh, so that they won't keep treating him as some uh, uh, a brother who is erring. Now we think about, for example, if if I go out and I get drunk, and I go out in this public area, public arena, and I get drunk and I do those things, I know I I, I know I've, I've I've sinned, and how's best? I don't know who's seen me. I have no idea. Uh, can't, there's no way for me to know who I've, I've offended. So how is the best way for us to, uh, best way for us to handle those things? What's the best way is to confess those things pub- publicly? Now that I, if I uh, confess these things here, I know that my brethren, uh, my brethren know these things. If anybody comes up and say, hey, Evan was drunk the other day, those things can be settled quickly and, 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 and without any type of contention because everyone knows I've confessed those things, I have repented of those things. Now, I want to make this point that the confession should be at least as public as the sin. Now, just like we see in James chapter 5, verse 16, it can be, if, if it's between Brethren, one brethren and another, they need to at least confess to the uh, to the other brother. But if it's a public nature, uh, if it's a sin of a public nature, I need to confess those things publicly. But I can also I can also confess those private sins publicly as well. And so make the point that it has to be at least as public as the sin. I think a good example of this is in Acts chapter 19, verses 18 and 19 of those in Ephesus. Acts chapter 19. Verses 18 and 19. Now, although uh, these people, uh, they were uh, becoming Christians here in Acts chapter 19, verse 18 and 19, but notice what they did. 
it says in verse 18, it says, Many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. So those that believed, those that were Christians, what did they do? They confessed their deeds. They told their deeds. They let everybody know, hey, this is what I've been doing. I'm going to stop these things. Verse 19 says, Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it told of 50,000 pieces of silver. And also notice that they, 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 they brought all their books together, all these people that were doing these things, they, they set them on fire, they burned these things off, and, and I'm pretty sure everybody, there was, or most of the people in that town, they knew what was going on, and they knew that these people were done uh, with uh, this sin. And so we notice this, this, this confession of private and public sin, but also I want us to understand that this is that there are uh, a lot of uh, good, uh, good effects of, the, of confessing. If that's, if that's, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but there's a lot of good that can come out of this con, of confession. And one of those is that confession causes healing, and this healing is spiritual. Uh, notice in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. It says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Notice he says, Whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So again, you confess those things, you repent of those things, you confess of those things, and you're going to have mercy. Now, first and foremost, we know in Scripture that we can have mercy from God if we repent and confess those things as well. But also, just like we talk about with the man of Corinth, those relationships are now restored. If, if, if we have an erring brethren that have, we have to uh, withdraw from, we know that we can be restored. That relationship is restored. That, and, and, and we can have and we can show, be willing to show and extend mercy to uh, that erring brother as, as well. Also in Psalms 51, verses 10 through 13. Psalms chapter 51, verses 10 through 13. Psalms chapter 51, verses 10 through 13. Now this is uh, uh, David uh, specifically confessing, uh, 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 talking about his sin with Bathsheba, uh, writing to God in verse 1, says, have, have mercy upon me, O God. But I think we can draw some, uh, some good things that we can have through confessing our faults. In verses 10 through 13, notice what he says. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy, take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Now, we do. I think what we have to realize is that if we confess those, confess those things, confess our sins one to another, uh, make my relationship right with my brother, or uh, restore any fellowship that has been broken, or just generally know that I have had my sins forgiven uh, by God, it ought it ought to restore our joy to us. We ought to be joyful in knowing that our sins are forgiven, any type of relationship that was broken because of that, or now restored. And also, in verse 13, it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted. Also, we know that confession uh, it, it, it is, it is helpful to others, knowing that if, hey, this guy has this problem, this guy is able to sin, or, 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 or woman is able to do this, <laughs> then I may very well fall into, can fall into that same sin as well. 
and, and it will help to teach me to take heed, to understand that, I, that if they can fall, if they can fall into sin, then I can fall into sin, and I better be careful in what I do and be mindful that it, it be mindful that that could very well be me if, if I do not take heed of myself. Also, when we think about confession, we have to understand that we need each other's support and advice. And it helps us to gain that support. If, we, if brethren know what other brethren are struggling with, what is, it helps the brethren to support them, helps them to pray for them, helps them to comfort uh, that, that brother or sister who is weak, who has fallen into sin. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, and verse 14. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 14. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. So he says, Warn the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Now, if we know that somebody has struggled with sin, has a particular weak particular weakness, what can we now do? We can comfort those, uphold the weak. And we also know that if I'm struggling with that sin, and I confess those things, that my brethren know about these things, they will help me, or they ought to help me, to, 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 to comfort me, to uphold me. And I know at least that they will be patient with me while I'm doing those things and will help me. We read in Romans chapter 15 uh, that those who are strong ought to bear with the infirmities of the weak. We know that if I'm weak, I will know that there's going to be people that are willing to help me to overcome that sin and willing to do uh, just about whatever it takes to help me to uh, overcome that. Also in Galatians chapter 6 and in verse 2, Galatians chapter 6 and in verse 2, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, Again, going along with Romans chapter 15, it says, Bear one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, the commandment from Paul to bear one another's burden. And what we have to consider is, if I don't know what you're struggling with, I don't know what your weaknesses are, I don't know what type of sin you are particularly dealing with, can I really help you with? Can I really help you with it? Now I can help you in some general, uh, general way, encourage you in a general way. But if I don't know what you are particularly dealing with, I cannot help you bear any burden you may may be particularly facing with that. I cannot uh, help you, uh, give you specific advice or any type of uh, of encouragement of a specific nature if I do not know what you are dealing with. And therefore, that is another aspect of why we need to confess our faults uh, one to another. It helps us to mutually support each other with whatever uh, issues we may be facing. Also, uh, we need each other's support, but we also need each other's advice. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18. It says, plans are established by counsel, by, wi by wise counsel wage war. Now, we think about people going to war. We think about uh, 
the president in his war room or whatever. And usually when we have these people or these commanders in these armies, what do they do? They got their people. They got their smart people. They got the people up under them giving them advice, suggesting what they ought to do, giving them the best strategy of what they do. Now, we have to understand that we're at war with sin every day. We're at war uh, with those temptations, those desires that we face every day. Now, if we have this counsel, if we can get this advice, it'll help us to, how do we, how do we help, how do we overcome those things? People may give us advice. People that may be actually have struggled with the same sins that we are currently struggling with, they can give us advice on how to deal with that, how to overcome uh, those sins. Also in Psalms chapter 55 and verse 14, Psalms chapter 55 and verse 14, Psalms chapter 55 and verse 14. It says, We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Now, it says, notice he talks about the sweet counsel and walking to the house of God. Again, think about that, that guy who's doing those things in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That if we, if, if, if we take counsel together, if, he, if they're giving me advice, helping me to overcome these things, it helps us to be able to be more unified together. It helps us to build those relationships. It helps us to come together, worship together, to act, as, uh, act together, and, and, and be, more, uh, be more unified of that same mindset. If we, if we can uh, have advice, give advice one to another, help them to overcome any uh, struggles that they may be facing and help them to overcome those things. So it helps us to worship uh, together in peace. It helps us to build those relationships, tear down any of those sins or whatever that may be dividing us and helps us to bring us together. And also, uh, we need each other's support, we need each other's advice, and we need each other's prayers. And again, we look at James chapter 5 and verse 16. James chapter 5 and verse 16. James speaks of the power of prayer and what it can do. James chapter 5 and verse 16. He says, Confess your trespasses one to another, pray for one and pray for one another that you may be healed, that you may be he- that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so in the first part of verse 16, he, he, James kind of ties this idea of confession and prayer together. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And we notice that he says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we know if we, that we can understand the power of prayer. We know that we pray for one another, to pray for one another, pray that God will help them to overcome uh, their struggles, overcome that sin. And also we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 23 through 24, Simon the sorcerer asking Peter uh, to, uh, to, to uh, pray to God for him in dealing with that particular sin uh, that he had just committed. And we have to understand that if we have problems, if we have sins, we need the prayers of the saints. We need the prayers of the saints even if we think we got it all right. And... Uh, and if we definitely having sin uh, and we confess those things, the saints will know what, to ha- what we're struggling with and it help them with their prayers uh, for you. And so that was my lesson. It's kind of short and sweet. Uh, but I think we have to understand, first and foremost, like, kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of the hour, the severity of sin, what it causes, 
what how it affects me and how it affects others and we know that there and we know that we have there are things that we have to do they're responsibly for us in, in in dealing with that sin we think about that confession uh, towards that uh, uh, that brother that we have sinned against and also not only private sin but we talk about confession of public sin that we have to deal uh, with that and we know that that it is serious and we need each other we need our brethren to help us in overcoming uh, that sin and we see that the, the great things that can come from confessing our faults one to another and so I ain't really talked a lot about this is more geared toward people who are already Christians, but if you're not a Christian, we, you know, just like what we've uh, read here, that there are benefits to becoming part of the church, becoming a Christian, that these uh, brethren uh, up, help to uphold and to encourage and, and are willing to be patient uh, with you regardless of what you may be facing. If you want to become part of that, if you want to follow Christ, if you want to be cleansed from your sins, if you and if you're willing to do that and to willing to follow him, you, and if you're willing to believe in him, confess, uh, confess your faith in him, repent of your sins, to be baptized for the remission of sins. Certainly, would like to help you in, in that in any way that we can. And also, just like what we talked about, if you are uh, if you are a Christian and you have uh, uh, struggling with some sin, you need the prayers of the saints. Uh, you need to confess these things. We offer the invitation now as we stand, as we sing. Uh, will you come?